Well, let me just bring you up in a very short time to where we were last Sunday night. Joseph is the next to the youngest son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. You remember the story of Jacob, not going to a lot of detail, but Jacob fell in love with this gorgeous woman named Rachel. The Bible says she was quite beautiful. And so Jacob asked her father, Laban, for her hand. Laban said, you'll have to work in my field seven years for this one. And so he did so, and when it came to his wedding night, Laban pulled a fast one on Jacob. He thought, my oldest daughter's not married. She has no prospects. And from kind of what the Bible describes, she wasn't very attractive at all. So Laban, the father-in-law, took the oldest daughter, Leah, and put her into the wedding bed with Jacob. Jacob woke up the next morning. You can imagine his surprise. (laughs) Oh, this is not what I bargained for. However, he said, I really want Rachel. Laban said, you'll have to work another seven years in my field for this one. So he had six sons with, with, uh, Rachel, uh, with, with Leah. Rachel was having a hard time bearing children. When she finally gave birth to Joseph, Joseph became the absolute light of her life and became the delight for his father Jacob. uh, Rachel had another son by the name of Benjamin, the youngest. You'll be introduced to him later on down the road. But Benjamin, uh, after his birth, Rachel died shortly thereafter giving childbirth. Now, the reason I go a little bit into that history is simply because Joseph, as we learned last week, came from a very dysfunctional, capital dysfunctional family. He had brothers by his father and his marriage with Leah. He had a brother by his father's marriage to Rachel. She had two concubines, and he had two sons by each one of those. So now you got all of these half-brothers, and all of them despised Joseph because he was dad's favorite. How do we know he was dad's favorite? Because, look at that multicolor coat, Joseph's technicolor dream coat. There he is. And he has this beautiful tunic that is this very colored uh, coat that was designed for somebody who would not work. It was tunic. It had long sleeves. It had a hem down to his ankles. This is not the garment of a laborer. This is the garment of somebody who is not working And because it was multicolored, he was the only one that had it. And the Bible says at every opportunity, these half-brothers of his would tell him how much they hated him, how stupid he was perhaps. Maybe they didn't like the way he was. So at the age of 17, Jacob wanted to check on the boys and whether or not they were having trouble herding the sheep. So he sent, for some reason, Joseph out to check on them by himself. So as they see Joseph coming in the distance, they recognize the multicolored coat. You recognize that. And as he came into their presence, 
they began to talk about plans to kill him. Well, Reuben stepped in, told him one of the brothers, and told him not to do so. Let's throw him in a pit. So they threw him in a dry cistern. And then as they were eating supper casually that evening, they could hear the cries of Joseph from the pit. Well, a caravan came by, Ishmaelites, these from Midian. And as the caravan came by, they decided they had came up with another plan. Let's sell him. At least we can get something out of him. He's worthless otherwise, you know. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which is the price for a, a disabled slave. And so Joseph was sold to this caravan going toward Egypt. All right? The boys took the tunic back. They put blood on it and... They told their dad, Jacob, that he had been killed by wild animals. Jacob expects him to be dead at this point. The brothers really don't care. They're, he's just out of their house. So he comes from that kind of thing, and I want you to pick it up here now in verse 1. So here he is in verse 1 that Joseph had been taken down to Egypt before we get into anything else. Think about a 17-year-old boy who comes from a rural background and he has been given every opportunity by his dad to be all that he can be without any struggle whatsoever. And dad protected him. He was dad's favorite. There was no bones about it. And uh, he came from this honored, privileged position to be sold as a slave to an Egyptian a caravan going into Egypt. He didn't understand the language. He didn't understand the culture. He didn't know anything about his environment. He's up on a slave block in Egypt, and Potiphar purchases him. Slavery was something that he had no knowledge of, nor what is it even in his dreams that this would happen to him. Well, the Bible says that Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Wow. Because as captain of the guard, he was the captain of an elite group of men that were chosen to protect the Pharaoh above all things. This was like your secret service, if you will, uh, around the president. These guys were finely tuned in the art of war and battle and armed conflict. Potiphar uh, Albert Edesheim said that he was the chief of executioners and this is his role as one of the captain of the guards. The name Potiphar in Egyptian means he whom the sun god Ra has given. But this was who he was. In Egypt there were some 2,000 gods and goddesses. The Pharaoh was considered an incarnation of God which is why they wanted to protect him. And so here Joseph not only comes into this cultural issue, language issue, customs issue, he's got this religions that he's never been involved with. He's always served one God and one God alone. Now he's in an environment where there are some 2,000 gods and goddesses. So think about him as a 17-year-old. Now we don't know how much time went by after Potiphar purchased him that he became head of the household. We don't know that. We don't know at what point in his life that happened. But here he is in his late 20s at this point. So the Bible says that 
He was a servant above all things. He was a servant of the Lord first. Verse 2 said, The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. His master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that God gave him success and everything. So he was a servant not only of Potiphar, but more importantly and singularly, he was a servant of the Lord himself. So we ask ourselves in our own lives, who masters us? We are servants of whatever it is in our life that masters us. That could be your activity, that could be your hobby, it could be uh, your vocation, your avocation, it could be your family, your spouse, it could be any number of things. Anything that masters us becomes our Lord. To Joseph, it was the Lord himself. He was the master. Make no mistake about that. But we see secondly in the area of stewardship. He was a steward. He was a steward because the Bible says that when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, he found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. And then as he became his attendant, he worked up the ladder and Potiphar put him in charge of his household. His whole household. Family, slaves, possessions, everything was done. So, he entrusted to his care everything he owned from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. Now, first of all, I want to ask you, are you a blessing to your household? Just a little aside here. When Potiphar saw that Joseph was a blessing to everyone with whom he came in contact, what could be said about you today? Are you a blessing to everyone with whom you come in contact? Are you a blessing to your household? Are you a blessing to your family? Are you, are you a blessing that God has given to your family, your friends, your neighbors, your clubs, whatever the case might be? Are you really a blessing? Because if, you, if the Lord is your Lord, if He is truly your Master, He will be a blessing through you and you'll be a blessing to others because of your relationship to the Lord. He was a steward. He was in charge of everything. Verse 5 says, from the time that He put Him in charge of His household and all that He owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Well, here's Potiphar was a steward to the Lord first. I've had people tell me when they talk about stewardship, the only thing that hits in their head is money. We have stewardship campaigns, it's money. Stewardship is so much broader than that. It includes everything that we are or do have. We understand that we're only on this earth for a short period of time, that we actually own nothing. We really do not own anything. Uh, you know, we don't take it with us. We're put here as caretakers or stewards of the property with which God has given us. And so here we are. Joseph understood that. This is not mine. He had all of these possessions of Potiphar in his care, and yet 
He treated them because the Lord gave him that position of stewardship in that time and place. Well, God blessed Potiphar's household because of Joseph. Are you a blessing to your household? Now I want to talk about his self-control, his temptation. This morning, I was listening to an interview with one of our, one, not our, one of the Olympic athletes from the Netherlands, actually. And they asked him, he said, you know, you're the first person to have ever earned three straight gold medals, three separate Olympic competition in the 5,000K speed race. Is it, was it harder to get to this point or to stay at this point? And I thought his answer was very astute. He said, oh, it's much harder to stay here. He said, it, once, he said it was a lot easier to get that first gold medal and to get to that level. But to stay there for two other gold medals was more difficult. So you see with Joseph, the same thing is true. It was probably easier to get to that place as household steward than to stay there. Now you know Satan loves the shining mark. And he can't stand it when a man or a woman of God is serving God to the best of his ability and they are holding a position of prominence because Satan loves a shining mark and he's going to go after them, which is what he did to Joseph. Now, I look at Joseph and from a 17-year-old, Satan probably tried to tempt him through any number of things. He had all of this money that he was in charge of. Obviously, he was in charge of all of Potiphar's accounts because the Bible says that Potiphar gave him control over everything he had. He was in charge of his family. He was in charge of his slaves. And I'm sure that rankled some of his co-slaves, but he was. And the Bible says the opulence of, of the wealthy in Egypt at that time was amazing. The slaves would live on the first floor of the house of the wealthy. And the family would live on the second and third floors in the higher, if it went higher. But here he was, Joseph living in the house of Potiphar in charge of everything he had. Satan probably tempted him from a 17-year-old up saying, you know what, Potiphar won't miss it. Just take a little bit of it. Enjoy it. Take some more of that privilege, that perk, if you will, that you're enjoying. Potiphar won't miss it. He never did it. He always honored God. But then the Bible specifically says, now Joseph was well built and handsome. Isn't that interesting that they would put that in there? As studly of a guy. He was in his upper 20s. The Bible says that his wife, Rachel, his wife, his mother Rachel was beautiful. And he obviously had her physical genes because he was one of these kind of guys that the, that the women would just stop and stare at as he walked through the crowd, you know. And it was more than Potiphar's wife could handle. So Satan begins weaving his little web. I can take this guy down, Satan is saying, through his own physical desires. That's where I'll get at him. He did that to Eve. Look at this. Isn't it beautiful? 
It tastes good. Oh, it will fulfill all of your senses. Taste it. Because you can't fulfill those senses unless you taste it. And so, here he is on this struggle with her. But he refused. Verse 8, that word in the Hebrew says, he just said no. He refused. With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. In everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Well, let me tell you what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said about temptation in his little pamphlet called Temptation. He said, in our members there is a slumbering inclination towards desire which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery over the flesh. All at once, a secret smoldering flame is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it is sexual desire or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love of fame and power or greed for money or finally that strange desire for the beauty of the world of nature. Joy in God is in course of being extinguished in us and we seek all of our joy in the creature. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality and only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. Satan does not here fill us with the hatred of God but with the forgetfulness of God. And when we forget the presence of God, He's got us where He wants us. Satan does. The enemy. The adversary. But the beauty of this with Joseph is that he never forgot. Joseph was well built and handsome and after his while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. He refused. With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And his master is God first and Potiphar second. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care, Joseph said. No one is greater in this house than I am, including you, Miss Potiphar. He says, my master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife, how then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? All sins. David would cry out, against thee, thee only have I sinned, O Lord. With greater prosperity and position comes greater temptation. Thomas Carlyle put it this way, Adversity is sometimes hard upon a man, but for one man who can stand prosperity, there are a hundred that will withstand adversity. But Joseph refused temptation. He just said no. Verse 10 says, She spoke to Joseph day after day after day after day and it became something that the Bible says that he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He wouldn't just continue to turn the other way when she came into the room because he knew that hers was going to be a relentless temptation. Well, One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. Boy, that should have turned the red light on, shouldn't it? Where's everybody at? Nobody's in here but, oh, Potiphar's wife. Hmm. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. Now she's forcing him. We're hearing all about some of these sexual harassments today, aren't we? It's not new. 
practice, not at all. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. You see, sometimes it's better to stand up to temptation. Other times, when you're in a precarious position, it's better to flee. And he fled and he left his coat in her hands. But Joseph lost his coat but kept his character. This second time Joseph has lost his coat. He's getting used to this by now. So here he is. And the Bible says that he was so handsome. Do you know that word in the Hebrew is only used for four people in the New Testament? There was David. There was Saul. There was Joseph. And then there was Absalom. All four of those, this particular Hebrew was used. James 1, 13 through 14 says, Let no one say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Well, she caught him by his cloak. He left his cloak in her hand. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, now she spurned, and hell hath no fury. Right? Only the guys are smiling here. She called her household servants. Look, she said to them, has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me. Potiphar, it's your fault. You brought this guy in here. It's your fault. And But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. I doubt that any of the slaves were surprised. They had been around. They saw what was going on. When his master, Potiphar, heard of this, heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Now, I'm just going to pause here. Potiphar burned with anger. It doesn't say toward Joseph. You know why I think that he suspected his wife? Because the Bible said Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. This is the chief executioner. Killing people in Egypt in that day and age was nothing. He could do anything he wanted to with a slave. It was his property. He could have killed Joseph just like that. But instead he puts him in prison. So I deeply suspect that Potiphar understood what was going on here and really wanted to do no harm to Joseph. But this is way out to save face as well. But here's the point. You're sitting here today. Some of you have come from some really bad family situations. Some of you are in circumstances now, health-wise, emotionally, physically, spiritually, that is, seems untenable to you. You're in a place where maybe you've asked God why. I want you to look at Joseph and his example. Here he was, sold as a slave, rejected by his brother, hated by his brothers, and sent off in a caravan to be sold as a slave and wind up in a different situation. And yet he was faithful in that that predicament, faithful to the Lord. Saw him above all things. Missed the opportunity to become like the world. 
resisted the opportunity to satisfy any kind of desires that he might have had in order to be a servant of the Lord. Now he's in prison, but he's alive. He's in prison, and we'll take that up next Sunday. But you're here this morning, and God has called you to be a servant, to be faithful to him, to understand that you're not only a servant, but you're a steward, and you are spirit-controlled by the Lord Jesus Christ to serve him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and body. Are you a blessing to the Lord? Because if you are, you're a blessing to others because God's going to bless them through you. Are you a servant to the Lord first and then to others? Maybe you're here today, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to do just that. Jesus is there at the door of your heart knocking and the Bible says if anyone hears his voice and opens that door, then he'll come into them. Maybe you're here this morning and you've trusted Jesus Christ but you're You've, you've strayed away from him. Maybe you just haven't had that, that testimony that Joseph has. Maybe it hadn't been that strong, but you're ready to come back to the Lord. Or maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home. There's no place that I'd rather be than right here. You'll find this to be the friendliest church anywhere. And we desire to serve the Lord with you. And we desire that you want to serve the Lord alongside us. So come as the Lord so directs. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just praise you for who you are. We thank you for this day, for this blessing, for the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, just thank you. Lord, may we honor and glorify you above all things. Father, may you take these decisions that we make and use them for your glory. We want to take a stand on your behalf for you, for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing the hymn of invitation, won't you come? I'll be here to pray with you at the front. Let's stand and sing.